The Irish are a nation of storytellers. Our stories are embedded in us and in our landscape. Welcome to Tales and Trails podcast in partnership with Discover Ireland, a brand new and immersive audio experience that invites you to walk the Irish countryside with us. Today I'll be joined by wellness coach, motivational speaker and lifestyle blogger, Alison Canavan. Alison was catapulted to fame at the age of 15 as an international model, traveling the world and enjoying a fast-paced, glamorous lifestyle. Alison navigated the transition to motherhood in style, and now lives a life of reflection and holistic self-care that seems completely at odds with her former persona. Alison and I will take on the Kennedy Castle Loop in Ireland's ancient east today, a walk that is nestled in the foothills of the majestic Sleep Bloom Mountains and takes you through the beautiful broadleaf forestry, the grounds of Kennedy Castle, and if you want to extend the trail further, you'll pass the ruins of Glinks Castle. The Sleep Bloom are the oldest mountains in Europe, along with the Massif Central in France. And on a clear day, you can see the high points of the four provinces of Ireland from its peak. This gentle five-kilometer loop takes around an hour and a half to complete in full. Make sure to visit the Tales and Trails hub on loveon.ie to plan your short break in County Offaly, where we've highlighted some accommodation, the best restaurants, and things to do in the area. Alison, how are you? I'm great, how are yeah, you? Absolutely excellent, are you looking forward to this? I am, I love nothing more than getting out in nature. Really, do you go on walks often? Every single day. Really? Yeah. yeah. Have you been up here before? I haven't, no. I have been here for a wedding nearby, but I've never been in the forest. Yeah, me neither. I'm actually looking forward to it already. Like, we're just after kind of starting. There's big tall trees all around us here. It's absolutely a beautiful area, isn't it? It's gorgeous. Um, so, let's, let's dive into a bit of Alison. Okay, <laughs> let's get straight let's in Let's get there. straight into it. Let's uh, start a bit back when you were younger and you kind of first got into modelling. Mm. Wasn't something that you necessarily wanted to get into, was it? It was just kind of happened? No, I wasn't that? one of those girls. Generally, those people have dreams of becoming a model, especially now with the way social media is. No, it was never a dream of mine. Um, and my mum put me in for a competition when I was very young, and I won it. So nice. I started modelling abroad. And it was kind of just like a domino knock-on effect. And in sixth year, I didn't have a clue what I wanted to do. You know the way everyone feels in their CAO? And I think the majority of people put in arts, arts in UCD, you know. Everyone, if you're stuck, that's everyone goes for it. <laughs> and I just thought, do you know what, I might as well travel for a couple of years. So I just went straight to London and continued modelling and it just went from there. Did you enjoy it? I did, yeah. Like there's good and bad parts of it. Like it's a great experience. You get to travel, you get to meet loads of people, but it can also be quite lonely because you're on your own a lot, you know. So you're flying two jobs on your own, staying in hotels on your own. So... It can be quite a lonely job. So like everything, it has its pros and cons. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. And um, did you find being a model stressful or did you notice at the time? Like the, I didn't the, notice the, it. I suppose everything's great on reflection. So on reflection, I think... Uh, <laughs> actually, if I had a daughter, I don't think I would let her do it. Really? Yeah. Why? I don't know. I just think I would just rather her settle, be content and happy. It's a very pressurised industry. Everything is... Your worth is placed on what you look like. So every single day when you wake up, it's like you go to the agency, they measure you, you know, what does your skin look like? Like you just can't have a bad day. Uh, and you don't realise the pressure of that, I suppose, until I've come out of it now. And the last few years, I feel a great settling. And a few years ago, I got a commercial in England and my agent said, you wouldn't consider just coming back to do this for one of your old clients. And I went back and I instantly felt this pressure. And I said, wow, I see it now. I never felt this before. You can realise yeah. it now that you're out of it a bit. So it was that day that I decided, no, I'm done. Really? <laughs> yeah. Never going to get to do it again? I mean, even yesterday I got a, an email from Germany and they were like, is there any way you consider doing this Greek skincare line? 
Um, and adding years ago, I would have jumped at that and I thought, you know what? No, it's just not my path anymore. It's not worth yeah. it. No, it's not worth it. So it's the opposite to L'Oreal. It's not worth it. <laughs> You'll never get a job at L'Oreal now. That's you done for sure. And you live a bit of a, a hectic lifestyle, was it, when you were a model? Like, was yeah, it, yeah. Was it crazy? Was it a party every night? It was a lot of partying. Really? Um, very little time to kind of settle and, you know, ground yourself and go, where am I going? What am I doing? Personally, I think it's like that for a reason because if most models ask that question, they'd probably leave the industry, <laughs> quite frankly. Um, yeah, it was a lot of soul searching, but in all the wrong places, you know, so a lot of kind of deep diving, but not getting very many answers, if that makes sense. Okay. Um, was there a point like during your modeling career or like when come, maybe from the end of it that you realized like I have to start partying, this is not me, it's not safe. It's oh not... no, there were many points throughout. Oh I really? Mean, yeah, yeah, loads of and points throughout. And what bringing you back in? How could you never? Because it's, it's, you are who you surround yourself with. So if you decide to be the odd one out, but you're in an industry where everybody's doing something, the majority rules, you know? So if you're saying, I think I'm drinking too much, I'd like to kind of back out of this, and everyone's like, no, you're not, Mary or Joe or whoever is drinking more than you, and then you try, which I did so many times, went to AA, tried to change my life, get a little bit healthier, but it was very isolating. I didn't have a group of friends who lived that way. Every single person I knew partied all the time. So every time you went to try to break out and yeah, change. Break out. Yeah, break You came back and mixed with your old friends and it was straight back into yeah. party lifestyle. Because if you have to change your life, you kind of have to change everything and that includes a lot of the people you're surrounded with. Majorly. Yeah, yeah and massively. that's tough. It's really tough. And so was there a certain point that when that stopped that you realised, like, this is it. This is me, I'm done. It was really when my child was born okay. and I realised that this is not serving me anymore. I don't really want to be a mom who's hungover all the time. I don't I want that, that for my tough. child. Yep. Not even from that, but just like a child doesn't ask to be brought into the world with a parent who can't do anything all weekend because they've drank too much the night before. Do you know what I mean? And that was a personal decision for me. And I also knew that I was kind of done with it. I was finding it boring. And I also knew I wasn't in control of it. Okay. What age is this? God, in my early 30s, like all the way through my 20s, I struggled and knew that I wasn't really enjoying this kind of lifestyle. I just didn't know how to get out get of it. Out of it yeah. And I also really didn't know who I was. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's completely <laughs> like, fair. If we take this away, this identity that I've had since I'm 15, remember I started this job at 15. So if we Without take- Without much thought of yeah. going into it. So I didn't really kind of get to know who I was or spend any time with myself. So if we take this away now, who am I? Do I have a personality? What were you left? I don't with? know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, can I hold a conversation? I don't know. <laughs> it's all pretty, you know, scary stuff. But what I learned over time is that life is incredible when you're actually in it, present, aware, alive, experiencing it. Like being here today, like things like being in a forest, listening to the birds sing, you know, really connecting with nature. Um, I just think we live in a world that's completely disconnected. So we're disconnected from ourselves, we're disconnected from each other, and we're very disconnected from Mother Nature. And she feeds us, you know, she really does. Like, if you just look at the trees here, what do they do? So as we breathe in, they breathe out, and vice versa. So there's a natural sync and a harmony that we are in with Mother Nature when we're with her. And we've disconnected ourselves. And we've disconnected, yeah, for so many reasons, you know. Busyness epidemic, mobile phones, um, you know, we think we have to work 16 hours a day to be worth something. 
That's a big thing with society as well. So we're kind of programmed to think that if we're busier, that we're better. And it's just not true. If we're busier, we're sicker. (laughs) And we've no time to experience life. And we've no time to truly live. Like we're not meant to be machines that are just churning out work all the time. You know, we're meant to be A, doing something that is purposeful, that we're passionate about, that we love. We're meant to be spending time with those we love. And I just think all the research points back to the people that live the longest and that are the happiest are people that have most meaningful relationships in their life. With people? Yeah, so it's like the Blue Zones with Dan Butner, all his work from all over the world. He's done so many studies on food and lifestyle and again, it comes back to community and connectivity. The longest running study on human happiness, which is the Harvard study, it's in its 83rd year, I think. Like, it's incredible. And year on year on year on year, they get the same result. So the result is the people with the most meaningful connections are the happiest and live the longest. And it makes complete sense. Yeah, of (laughs) course, because we're not meant to be living in isolation. So most people like go to work, they come home, they don't really speak to their family, they very rarely have family meals together, they're exhausted, they sit on the couch, they watch TV, they get up and they do it all again the next day. And, you know, spending time with your kids is, is rare, you know, and even when we're in each other's presence, we're not present. Yeah. I always say to people when I'm doing my talks and when I'm doing workshops, if you're going to give somebody your time, please give them your presence too, because there is a difference. You know, if you're going to be with someone, if you're going to be there, you might as well really be there. Um, And that takes practice. Oh, massively. We're so used to picking up our phone at any given opportunity. So to be with someone in that moment is very tough. And I think the rule these days is just leave your phone in your bag especially if you're at dinner. Don't have it on the table because it is distraction. You're constantly kind of going to pick it up just to check it for the 10 millionth time that day <laughs> just to see if anything else has happened. Which hasn't. No, Nothing, exactly. Nothing has actually yeah. happened. Yeah. I was actually in the cinema recently and I actually had, like, I think it was the first time I've seen it in a while. It was so hard not to grab for my phone yeah. and I was very worried at that thought. I was like, this is not right. This is not how we're supposed to be living. You said about uh, working like 16 hours a day and it's kind of like, as you said, it's like, what society is telling us is how you're supposed to live now. How do we take it back a step? I think by trying new things and understanding that all the science is proving that if we take more breaks and we slow down, we actually speed up and we get more done. So we are not more productive if we sit at our office desk for 16 hours a day. We're more productive if we take breaks every 45 minutes. We get out, we get some fresh air, we take breaks to eat away from the computer and we actually get more done. And People don't believe that, you know, they just don't until they prove it to themselves. So when I'm working with people, I always say, just try it for me. And more often than not, they were going, it sounded counterintuitive when you were saying it. But then once I tried it, I realized that it was true. So we have to actually change how we're living to see if there is a difference. That's the thing. How do you, like as you said, you're kind of explaining to your friend, like how do you get people to make that initial like jump? Very, like very, a little bit of a push. very slowly. Yeah. So you have to make very small changes. So a lot of people, okay, we we'll use the New Year's resolution as an example. So they think they're going to wake up on January 1st and I'm going to change everything <laughs> about my life on a in 24 hours. Life. And then three weeks later, everything is not only gone back to the way it was, but probably worse, worse. than it was before. So the trick is to change slowly. So we're trying to rewire our brain. We're trying to change how our neurons speak to each other. This is possible, but it takes time and it takes consistency. So if you say practice gratitude in the morning and you do it every morning for five minutes, 
how your brain speaks to itself will begin to change. So if you're meditating, you increase the gray and white matter over time and you're you're actually growing different parts of your brain you know so you're telling your brain how you want it to think and what are our thoughts our thoughts turn to feelings turn to emotions emotions are what they are energy in motion and what is the currency of life the currency of life is energy so everything is energy these trees have energy we attract our own energy to us does that make sense yeah so if we want to control the type of energy we want to attract every day we first need to start with our thoughts where does that start first thing in the first morning first thing in the morning a small yes. change that's all yeah. you need for five minutes yeah. in the morning yeah five minutes in the morning yeah Take, t- taking it back just a little bit yes because um, we've gone off road a little bit um when you first became a mother yeah. how different was your life then from oh, like different. you know like how drastically did it change and how did you cope with it well first of all i was on the road i was on three planes a week for my whole life traveling as a model and then you become a mom and you know, you've a little person to look after. I remember about, two, I think it was probably only about two weeks after I had James and I remember putting him down. I was living with my mum at the time and I remember him putting him down in his cot and I think there was something really simple like there was no milk in the house and I was like, okay, I'm going to go get milk and then I went, oh, I can never, ever leave again without having someone to look after this baby and it was like a real moment of, oh shit. <laughs> and I just went, Oh my God, forever, Forever. like forever. Somebody needs to look after this child while I do something. (laughs) And it was really funny because it sounds really silly. No, I can imagine that moment. Yeah. Yeah, This is my responsibility for the rest of my life now. And it was like, whoa, this is a big responsibility. Like I have to look after this little human. Um, But you know what? It's, It's a game changer. I mean, James is my greatest teacher. Without a doubt, every day he pulls me back on track. Children are in the present moment. That's where they live. They don't worry about the future. They don't constantly go over the past. They're just living in the present moment. And they're very accepting. They're very accepting and very resilient. We program them to be different as they grow up, quite frankly. So it's interesting that, like, he will always come over to me and say, are you okay, Mom? Don't worry about it. Does it really matter? Like, he's only eight now. But he continues to be my greatest inspiration and my greatest teacher, for sure. That's probably a reflection from you, isn't it, the way you've been... Yeah, I think it's a mixture of both, you know, I feed off his energy, we spend, there's only the two of us, so we spend all our time together, we just got back from South Africa, where we spent two and a half weeks together, but I've been studying for eight years, so he had a mom who was in college two nights a week, every second weekend from nine to six, so I promised him a very, very special trip when I finished college, just to kind of reconnect and get rid of the phone and just spend a lot of time together and we spent most of it in nature actually it was amazing and yeah. you had the safari and all we did yeah. Yeah. and got caught in a massive rainstorm <laughs> we did yes been talking about, massive rainstorm which yeah. hopefully we won't get out here today because we're coming <laughs> into a bit of a clear space here and I don't want to get rained on <laughs> it's, it's just opening up here it's gorgeous it's lovely isn't it it's really beautiful but we're still kind of thick in the forest yeah um, so then after like well not after that I think around the same time you kind of went into writing and motivational speaking and blogging and yeah, all that stuff all, was that where did happened. that kind of stem from it all happened naturally I look back on and kind of there are no accidents they'd say uh, Michael Doherty who owns VIP asked me to write a column just about being a new mom. so I started that and Elaine Prendeville who was my editor I'd never written before so I was like God I hope I can write you know and I had an English teacher who always taught, told me I was really bad at English and it's funny we kind of become what we're told we are so I had this story in me that I was really bad at English so I was quite embarrassed actually to write something and give it to someone 
And I remember I hadn't really heard from her. Like, you know, I send it in, it would go to print and she never gave me any feedback. And I was thinking the worst, of course, because that's where my mind Obviously. goes. And I remember her saying to me, you know, you're a very good writer. I don't have to edit your work. And I was like, is that a good thing? Because I didn't know anything about writing. So after that, she just said, you have a lovely natural flow. Actually, she's a huge reason that I continue to write. Um, she gave me great confidence. She said, you have a lovely natural flow. Just keep trusting how you write and write that way. Write how you think. And um, a lot of people used to say to me, God, you're very honest. And I used to go, I'm not trying to be at all. I was just literally writing what I was experiencing. So that started, then I went to the Daily Mail, I wrote for them for years, I wrote for magazines all over England and Ireland, um, I'm with the Indo at the moment, I have a well-being column with them, and then I wrote my book, Minding Mum, because uh, it was a book that wasn't available. There was no books anywhere in the world for new mums about how they're feeling. There was 10,000 books on how to look after a baby, but no book on how mum was. On that, like your, yeah. you being... No have, books like, about as mom. you said, like having that realization yeah. of having to care for someone for the rest of your life. Uh, and what made, like, obviously you went through it, so like, how well, did I you just know, couldn't like, I understand how we prepare moms so well during pregnancy, and like we treat them like they're porcelain, they're china, you know, they're so precious and delicate. And then as soon as the baby comes on, we throw mom to the side, <laughs> we completely forget about her, and all focus goes on to the baby. Where if common sense prevailed, we would look after the mom. And the mom, using her intuition, because this has been done for thousands of years, would naturally be able to look after the baby. So I just think we've, we've missed a beat somewhere along the line. Um, do you have like a writing practice? Because you said you weren't like, it was never your cup of tea at the uh, start. Do you, have, like, do you have like a nice place where you Yeah, no, I have, a lovely, I have a lovely office at home now, um, thankfully. And yeah, but writing is a discipline that's, that's difficult. Like I kind of sit down and write when I feel like there's something brewing or something there. I find it difficult when I was writing my book to write on command. Okay. I find that really hard. And stuff, yeah. yeah. And I sit down some days and go, there's just nothing coming, you know. So that was the first time I ever realised what writer's block was. I find it easier. Some mornings I'll get up and I'll just write and it will flow so easily. Um, and some days it won't. I suppose that's like everything, really. That's, yeah, that's just the way it happens, yeah. isn't it? Especially when you have deadlines and you have that extra bit of pressure. Yeah. You feel like you're forced, <laughs> like your creativity yeah. has been running smoothly. And then you went to the motivational speaking and... Yeah, I used to get asked to just tell my story. So I used to go into companies and I went back to college studying nutrition and I went on to study NLP, which is neuro-linguistic programming and coaching. And then I went to UCLA to study uh, mindfulness in the Semmel Institute of Neuroscience. And they all just kind of happened like domino effect, really. One thing led to another and... I remember somebody saying, you're a very good speaker. And then somebody else spoke to me and somebody else spoke to me and that just took off from there. Do you enjoy yeah. it? I love it. I do love you, speaking. Really, yeah, yeah. I really get nervous? Love it. Really nervous. Every single talk. <laughs> I just went into PayPal and there was like two, 250 people or something coming into the room the day before yesterday. And I suddenly went, the guy said to me, are you nervous? And I was like, no, I'm grand. And then as people started to come in, I was like, yes, I am. I am very nervous right now. So, uh, no, I still get nervous. Just Which I think is a sign of a... Have a look down over here. This is amazing, isn't it? A wow. little trickle of a lake going down below. Is that what you're stepping out of? It's gorgeous. I don't want you to lose your And actually, there. this is really interesting because where we are at the moment, there is a Japanese practice called Shinrin-yoku, which is Shinrin is forest bathing. And studies show that 20 to 30 minutes of being in a forest like this actually has huge health benefits. So it increases your immunity and there's natural mycobacterium here in all. You can see it here with all these trees, actually. And if you're breathing this in, it's just really, really good to help um, 
you know, settle you, ground you, boost immunity, bring you back into alignment and homeostasis. So this is where nature becomes a very, very powerful doctor. Would you do that often? Would you come out in the sun? Oh, absolutely. But I mean, forests are an incredibly powerful place for us to reconnect. There's a place in the Phoenix Park I go to as well every day because it's where I live. And if I'm stuck or if I'm struggling or if I feel like I just can't think, I'll always go out into nature to clear my head. Everyone loves short breaks, but to really experience a place, you have to get out there. A walk helps you clear your head and truly connect with where you are. Whether you're wandering, rambling or hiking, walking makes your break. Make sure to visit the Tales and Trails Hub in partnership with Discover Ireland on Lovin.ie, where you'll find inspiration for your next walking break in Ireland. One of the constants on this walk is the beautiful sound of birdsong overhead. Initially, the forest track had towering trees guiding us down a long avenue-like track. And as we progress to the slightly higher levels of this walk, we'll see glimpses of the surrounding landscapes that really places the Sleeve Bloom area as the green beating heart of Ireland. So a big part of writing the book was obviously to help mums that haven't had this before. So how... Yeah, well, I suppose when I spoke out about postnatal depression, um, I was on the Late Late Show and... I realised that there was hundreds of mums that wrote to me. So two things happened. Speaking out about mental health and speaking out about addictions, the majority of people that still write to me are young mums saying, you know, I really don't know who I am since I had my baby. You know, I'm really trying to find my feet. I feel I've lost my place in the world. Um, A lot of mums struggle with the whole, should I give up work? Should I stay at home? Guilt trap that's kind of structured out in society. And then there was the world I entered into as well, which was becoming a single mom. And, you know, I was reared in a family where we were programmed to get married and have 2.4 children. And at 32, when your pregnancy is a surprise, uh, you suddenly, I suddenly was faced with, wow, I'm going to be a single mom. So something you never thought could happen? Never. I just, I just, look, I don't, I personally don't think I ever thought about single moms, but upon a lot of reflection and, you know, being a meditation teacher, there, somewhere in me, there must have been programs to have judgments about single moms. There must be, because I found it very difficult. So basically, I, I remember when I was faced with becoming a single mom, yes. I thought, wow, like, how did this happen to me? I think we all know how it happened. Um, so you may and, have a clue. Yeah, yes. I think, you know, birds and the bees and all that kind of stuff. But I just remember feeling so down on myself and actually feeling quite ashamed, you know, like I had become a failure. Like I did something wrong. What did I do to deserve this? And the kind of victim mentality that I had been struggling with for quite a long time, actually. I think if you're struggling with mental health and addictions, and this is me personally speaking, it's not a judgment on anybody. There was a victim aspect of me that kept showing up you know not willing to take full responsibility for my actions where I was what I'm doing and that kind of comes quite and parcel with addictions and I just remember going okay I have choices to make here you know I have to be a mom I have to show up for this child like what am I going to do here so what I started to realize is that society has programmed single mothers to be less than okay so I kind of felt the programming of Single moms can't afford anything. Single moms can't become. Single moms can't do. Single moms can't be single moms. Yeah, the single moms can't, can't be, be successful. You know, you, single moms are, are poor. Single, so, first of all, I started to live out this story of single moms are poor. And I started to feel really down on myself and go, oh God, you know, what am I going to do with my life? And as I kept putting myself through college, and I'm looking very, very lucky, I had, didn't have a penny when my child was born. 
And I put myself through college with the help of my family. And as I started to grow and get back on my feet, my confidence started to come back. And all these mums used to write to me and say, you know, just looking at you getting up and going back to college has inspired me to go back and become a midwife and go back to college and study business. And I started to realise that other mums felt the same way as I did. That when you become a mother, that's it. You're kind of washed up in a way, you know, and this your is purpose. Your life now. Yeah, that's it. Like, so what I realised is that it's very important when you become a mom not to lose yourself in that role because say your life is like a long piece of string, right? Your time of being a mother where your child is at home is actually quite a short space of time. You know, 18, 20, 30 years, maybe that they're living at home. I'm like, I'm elongating because I'm 30, on me. I was 32 <laughs> back at home with my mom. So I'm like, okay, we're just I've, kind I'm of... Feeling, I'm feeling yeah. attacked right now. <laughs> like, I'm just going to elongate it for myself. But I think if we look at the length of your actual life, of course you'll always be a parent and you'll always be there to guide them and be in their life. But if you lose yourself during that time, you know, um, well, then what's going to happen to you when it's time for them to up, leave and find their own path in life? And I think our job as parents is to be guardians and to nurture our children and guide them so that they grow up to be independent adults. You know, it's not our children's job to mind us forever. It's not our job to control them and dictate the kind of life that they want. That's personally just how I see it. And I really think it's important for mums to still remain focused on their own health, their own well-being and their own self-care. And that also means answering a very, very important question. As a mom, what are you not saying yes to? We're kind of programmed to say no at the moment to everything, okay? And I always say to mums I'm working with, what are you as a mom not saying yes to? Are you not saying yes to having dinner with your girlfriends because that's very nourishing for you. Are you that's not saying well. yeah. Are you not saying yes to your Pilates class with your friends on a Saturday morning because you're too busy? So where are you not saying yes? And where a mom is usually not saying yes are the very things that are going to nourish her as a person. Keep them happy. Yeah, and help her to remember who she is. You know, because I always say in life we're not learning anything new, we're remembering who we are. We all have that information inside of us, you know. Um, so I think it's really important and Somewhere along the line, we kind of got the programming that we're sacrificial lambs. When we become mums, we have to do everything for our kids and completely neglect ourselves. And if we don't do that, then we're bad mums. Yeah. And that's just what society said, as you said. Yeah. Like, say someone who's going through this for the first time, maybe single parent or just about to have their first kid, and they have that sinking feeling. How, yeah. Like, what would you recommend to, like, to, to, to start off on a, a positive thought, maybe? Well, I just think to know that... Being a single mom doesn't mean that you're a failure. Being a single parent doesn't mean you're a failure. So when James was in, I think it was Montessori, a lot of the kids started asking him, where's your dad, where's your dad, where's your dad? And he was only three or four and he was coming home really upset. And I was upset because I don't think I had fully dealt with it either. So I remember going into the school and I remember asking, could you talk to him about the different types of families? And a couple of the parents said, no, actually you can't. Sorry, go ahead. Um, so I find that very difficult, you know, so that other parents wouldn't they want... They They just said no. They didn't want their talk kids... Talk about the different They didn't want that conversation to be had. I find that a lot. But you know what? I don't get hung up on those kind of things because I just don't think that's important. So but what I do think is important to to rear James in a way that to educate him that there's so many different types of families and that parents pass away. My dad died 20 years ago. You know, my mom was left to five kids. There's two moms now, there's two dads. There's so many different types of families. And what I've always said to James, 
the most important thing in life is that you're loved, is that you're with a family that loves you dearly and cares about you. And I always just list off all the people that love him. And he always says, yeah, you're right, mum. I have so many people in my life that love me. And that's what's important, so that a child feels safe, nurtured and loved. That, that's the most important yeah. thing. And he said it wasn't, um, you don't get hung up on it about their parents not being able to talk about. I used to. I mean, when he was young, I was yeah. very, very upset. But like, I think it's, it's something that should be talked about. Why are they neglecting it? As you said, like same-sex yeah. marriages and stuff like it's that. It's all fear. That's going to be it's all fear. very common in the years I'm going to protect my children from that. My child wasn't born into that, so why should they be exposed to it? That's the general narrative that happens. Whereas what people are missing is that what happens to one person happens to all of us. We're not isolated individuals. We're a collective consciousness. And, you know, we should all be looking out for each other as a community, you know, to make sure kindness is a superpower. Like, it really is. Like and it's, it takes nothing to do. Nope. Absolutely nothing. So Kindness is a superpower. And I just always say to people, it really is time to wake up. It's time to wake up and understand that it takes nothing to reach out, lend a hand, ask someone if they're okay. So many things have happened in the last few years with the level of suicide that's taking place. And so many of my friends that we've lost through suicide and I remember times when they reached out in a text and you know we're always too busy too busy to meet for coffee too busy to have that conversation with someone and you know what happens then what we live our life and we die you know what is this busyness epidemic really for if we're not truly you're putting off life? the important things yeah you really are superficial yeah. things probably or yeah. work that you're not entirely happy with and then things that you're stressed about and I always say to, I always ask myself two questions is it true? Is it necessary? That's always when I hear things about people or when I go to say something about people. And another question I always ask myself is, will this be important in three months, a year, and three years? And very often okay. the question will be no. Yeah, yeah no, it's just not. <laughs> oh, sorry, the answer will be, be no. no. Sorry. This is amazing, by the way. Can we have a yeah, moment we for are this kind pop? of wow. not lost, but we're off a little gravel track here, it's kind of up and down. Gorgeous. This always reminds me of fairy tales and I always tell James fairy tales of uh, fairies and little people that live in the forest and come out. He loves those stories. I was going to say he's afraid of the forest now. No, he? it's magical. I think it. forests are magical places. You're well, for the Absolutely well-being. Absolutely magical. I think it's incredible. For the walk, do There's you think? There's a whole other world that goes on in here. <laughs> there is? Yeah. Do you, um, as you were saying, like the forest, sorry, you go ahead, I'll, I'll hang on to this tree here for a second. <laughs> This is fun, this walk. Yeah, it's, it's fun. Cool. Until I fall over and do my ankles. This is a great walk for kids. They love this kind of adventure. This, you're actually right about the fairies. Yeah. It's kind of like very yeah. mystical in here. Isn't I mean, it? Yeah. I mean, it is. It's it, mystical. It is. Yeah. It. Today's walk is situated in Ireland's ancient east. Here, you'll discover a region of legends and stories from ancient times to modern day, a place brimming with culture, attractions, festivals, and fun. To plan your short break in Ireland's ancient east, Head to the Tales and Trails hub in partnership with Discover Ireland on Lovin.ie. On this loop you'll pass Kennedy Castle, a gothic revival castle at the foothills of the Sleeve Bloom Mountains and on the edge of Kennedy Forest. The castle was burned down by Republican forces in 1922, along with many other stately homes and was rebuilt in 1928. It was a private home before it was sold to the state in 1951. While the castle has a long and turbulent history, it is now a luxurious hotel with every facility a weary walker might need. Okay, so one of the biggest things I find is that we've kind of gone the other way with well-being where people think they have to heavily schedule in well-being. So you just need to make well-being a part of how you live, a part of your lifestyle. It's not an extracurricular activity. It's changing how you think and changing how you operate in life. 
So getting up in the morning, having some kind of practice that maybe a five-minute meditation, a five-minute gratitude practice, setting an intention for the day. Like I love to wake up, I sit beside my bed and I take three really deep breaths and I say thank you three times. And I just feel it's a really important way to start my day every day because I am very grateful. I have so much gratitude for where I am today. And I think it's really important because we can't get to where we want unless we're truly grateful for what we have. So important that we appreciate everything we have. Because People are always chasing something else that have been happy Always chasing before. something else. And I spent 20 years chasing something else, thinking that if I had the next big job, you know, a better home, you know, the perfect boyfriend, you know, we're kind of programmed that way. So I just think being truly appreciative, like being in this forest now, like during those years, I wouldn't have had this level of appreciation for the forest. I probably would have been bored and going, can I get out of here now? Checking your phone. Now, this to me is a truly magical experience. It's lovely. Like being able to come in here and have some peace and quiet and just connect with nature, I think is just, it's more important than nutrition. This is really what nourishes your soul. I was about to ask about yeah. nutrition. Is nutrition yeah. a big part of your... It is, but you know where I always start with people? I start with their thoughts. I start with how they speak to themselves. Like, how do you treat yourself? How do you speak to yourself? Once you work on that aspect, you will naturally want to feed yourself better because when, you're, when your appreciation for yourself and your self-care and your self-esteem is rising, you want to put better food in your body because you want to fuel your body. What is food? Food is information, okay? So if I'm talking to children in schools, I would explain it to them that... Do you want to go over to your friend's house and have a play date? Okay, so if you want to go to your friend's house to have a play date, you put good food in your body, it gives you the energy to go and have a play date. And if you put bad food in your body, you have to sit on the couch at home and you don't have the energy to go and play with your friends. And I say, so do you want to go on the play date? And you're like, yeah, I want to go on the play date. But then you have to give your body the right fuel to allow you to go and do that. So we need to understand what food does and what our choices do to our body, mind and spirit because they're all connected. And as you said about uh, the self-talk a minute ago, I think that's yeah. the, the biggest thing I've taken from meditating is that the first thing in the morning you can recognise how yes. you're talking to yourself. Yeah. I think before that, you don't realise if you're talking badly to yourself or positively to yourself. Well, you've just gone back into your kind of automatic way of living. And I think once you catch yourself in the morning, you're setting an intention that that's, that's how you want to live that day. Like, I want to live this way. That's what I want to attract into my life. Um, and it's really interesting because we've just come up just beside this little, gorgeous little, stream and we're looking at the natural flow, right? So this is the way I see it. So we're looking at this flowing downward. So if you got in there now, wouldn't it be easier just to go with the flow of that stream? Yes. But what most people do every day is they jump into that and they try to swim against the tide, okay? So we push and we force and we push and we don't allow. And that's what most people are doing. And if you keep pushing, life is gonna be, life is gonna push back. If I, look, if you give me your hand now and push. So that's pushing. So why are we pushing against the natural flow of life all the time? So we very rarely allow. So I encourage people to get in, jump in and go with the flow. Less energy, less effort. Everything just happens more laterally. And that's where appreciation comes in. Once you become aware of your thoughts, emotions, how you're showing up and behaving, and you really and truly appreciate how you're living, then abundance flows. And I just don't mean abundance in energy form because you know, or money form. Money is one form of energy. Abundance means more joy, more laughter, you know, good people, great relationships, enjoying your job. Like abundance is much, much, much bigger than that. But you can only have an abundant life 
if you truly appreciate the life you have now. So go with the flow. Go with the flow. Alison, I couldn't have said it better. I think we should leave it there. <laughs> Thank you at, so at much. At the river, at the little lake. I really lake, enjoyed go with it the flow. Same, Thank Alison. you so Thank much. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. You can hear the gushing sounds of the Camcor River towards the end of our conversation. Here we took a quick break to enjoy the peaceful sounds of the water. Make it a point to get out and enjoy a walk in the stunning surrounds of the sleeve blooms on your next short break. It's always important to be respectful of the wildlife and surrounding environment, so make sure to leave the trail as you found it. Visit leavenotraceireland.org for more information. The Tales and Trails Hub, in partnership with Discover Ireland, is a bounty of information on the best walks all around the country for your next short break. From the spectacular Wild Atlantic Way to the serene beauty of Ireland's hidden heartlands, the epic Ireland's ancient east or the surprises of Dublin, you're sure to find a walking break to suit you and your family. Just the break you're looking for. Make sure to share your trail photos using the hashtag LoveandTalesAndTrails. Tales and Trails podcast is in partnership with Discover Ireland. Learn more about exploring the best walks of Ireland's ancient east at loveand.ie forward slash Walking makes your break.